Hey, you're in for a treat this morning, and if you're here as a guest, uh, this is our Missions Focus Sunday, and I don't know what your background is with missions, but I remember it wasn't always the best Sunday. And whenever anybody said missions, it's like, oh, we got to go through this again. Because if you have a history like mine, we grew up with a lot of missionaries coming in, and i got to tell you, it wasn't all cool. I mean, the, the, the guys coming from the Indian reservations, they would come in a full headdress, and woo 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 and their tomahawks, and, and that was their stick. And then we had one come in with musical glasses, and had glasses all along the platform in different waters, and he'd play, oh, how I loved you, on, you know, on the glasses. And it's, it's transformed and it's transitioned over the years, and thank God for that. But... Uh, Erie First Assembly has a rich legacy with missions, and we have always been a part of missions, and it's been a part of our heart. So if you're here as a first-time guest today, or maybe you have come with someone just, just to visit, um, we want to give you an opportunity to just share a little bit and give you some information on what missions is all about. Now, I know my picture was on the bulletin, and that's, we just didn't have room for three pictures, but I got some heavy hitters with me today that they're going to help me with this service. Uh, Joel Schreiber, uh, Chi Alpha Director from Edinburgh, he is here. Uh, Joel got new shoes, so please let him know you like his new shoes. And Ken Doubt, our missionary from Nicaragua, is here. Ken, welcome. Glad to have you with us today. And I really don't believe that you're going to be disappointed because Matthew has constantly given us the Great Commission. It's in Scripture. It's there. We've read it. We've read it. We've read it. And we know it by heart that when Jesus came and brought the disciples together, he said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. And then he gave the mandate, go and make disciples. And so that has never changed. Methods have changed. Priorities have changed. Methodology, methodology has changed. But the mandate has never changed. So when I came in this morning and I, I thought, they keep asking me, uh, and you see the words up there, I paraphrase them, but Jason's going to leave them there for, your, for a while to take a look at. When I came in today and it's like, do you have a script for Sunday? And I'm saying, when you let me talk about missions, I, I really don't need a script. It's just, it's just heart. And I'm standing out there in the lobby and then some Chi Alpha gals came in and they, I greeted them. And the, yeah, the music started playing and they started dancing and we tried to get a flash mob and, and, and some of them wouldn't join in and dance and sing, but it's all good. It's all good, and we're glad to have them with us today. When we began, in, when my time came and we began about 12 years ago, we had over 110 missionaries and missionary agencies that we supported. And it was kind of a, a badge of honor, kind of a, almost a badge of pride in some sense that look at what we do. But as we began to look at the, at the coverage and the support, we found out that most of these missionaries, we didn't even know. We never heard from them. We got no emails from them. We got no letters from them. We've never seen them. And so we began to develop a filter and begin to work that down because uh, Pastor Jack had wanted us to say, okay, we want to be relational and we want to be intentional. So we began to meet with the missionaries when they would come in. I'd have lunch with them. We would have them here. And, and so we pared all of that down to now we have 12 countries that we're actually supporting missionaries. 
And some of those are from our own very body of people right here. Uh, as you know, for many, many years, John and Wilma Hall was in Nicaragua and a fantastic work that they did in Nicaragua. Yuri and Olga Derosian, uh, you may not know them or you may know them. They left everything they had here in Erie because they were sensing God was calling them to the mission field. And they've been in South America and Russia and Ukraine. They've been all over the world ministering and helping families, helping couples, working with marriages, teaching, training, and, and, and we stay in constant contact. And then we have a, a young couple who most of you may know if you've been here long enough, Daryl and Sarah Jump. And in just, just a moment, I'm going to ask them to put the video up because they have a video that they want to share with you today. Uh, Daryl and Sarah are in Turkey, and they have been ministering there, and God is doing some phenomenal things now, aside from that, we have what we call a live dead prayer team. And Jim and Katrina Renner head that up, and we meet on a regular, ba excuse me, on a regular basis, and we have prayer points for Daryl and Sarah. So I want you to take a look at the video, and they just want to say hello to you this morning. Good morning, Erie First Assembly of God. This is Daryl and Sarah Jump from the country of Turkey. We are the leaders of Live Dead Silk Road, which is an initiative to plant churches among Muslim peoples uh, stretching along the Silk Road from Turkey all the way out to the borders of China and India. It's been an exciting year for us here in Turkey. We are leading a training team where new workers come and uh, get trained in how to do evangelism, how to do outreach, how to do discipleship. And all of that happens right here among Muslim peoples. As we evangelize and disciple, they get trained into how to even form new churches and see that process begin to happen all across the Silk Road. God is calling people to work among Muslims. And it's been really exciting to see. We have 22 adults and eight children here, and there are many, many more people on the way. Silk Road is 400 million people, so we have lots of room to send out more teams and keep uh, sharing the gospel with people who have never had a chance to hear. Just in the last month in September, our team had the opportunity to share the gospel. They've been here just under over a year, some of them, uh, to share the gospel with over a hundred people, people who had never had a chance to hear about Jesus before from a believer who knows him. In another part of the Silk Road, we have another team that exists that has seen some amazing breakthroughs this year. Uh, a few months ago, some people that they've been sharing with came to faith and began to follow Jesus and began to gather in their home for worship and to uh, sing and study scripture and, and essentially have a home church. And those people have begun to gather others. And now more than a dozen people have come to faith in Jesus right here in Turkey among these, uh, these Muslim Turkish peoples. God is working among Muslims and it's so exciting for us to get to be a, chant, a part of what's going on right here on the front lines. We thank you so much for your support, for your encouragement and for your prayers for us. Have a great day. Daryl and Sarah will be with us April 2nd. They will be here in the service to share more about their ministry. On a personal note, I've had the privilege of being in six different countries uh, ministering on the mission field. And I can tell you that once you go and become a part of that, there's, there's a part of your heart that you, you leave behind because it's something that changes you, and it's something that, that you will never be the same once you're a part of that. Now, uh, 
along with our foreign missions, we also have what we call stateside or domestic missions and missionaries that we support. Some of those you will, you will be very familiar with because we talk about them quite a bit. Uh, City Mission, uh, we're, we support them. We're a part of what they do, part of the, the work that they do within the community. Uh, Serve Erie, it's an outreach that many of you have been a part of, and you go down and give four hours of your Saturday to help the inner city and to just to be Jesus with skin on and be a part of what's happening. And then also we have uh, Erie Young Adult uh, that we... They meet on Tuesday nights, and it's an outreach ministry to the community and to the young adults, and, and we support that. We're very much a part of that. And then, of course, uh, our Kaiafa ministry that Joel's going to be sharing a little bit more here uh, later on. So what we've done in the past, and maybe I'm a, a little biased to this, is because it's like anything else, out of sight, out of mind. So if you don't hear about it, if you don't see anything about it, uh, if you don't read anything about it, you, it's, it's a natural tendency to go, it's just out of my mind. And we want to, in the future, to be intentional about our missions because we feel that it's a very heartbeat of God. And, and whether it's a Sunday like this or whether we have something on the flat screens in the hallway or something in print, we want to keep reminding you because, let me say this, you folk have been so faithful in giving to missions. And, and you, some of you have been consistent for years and years and years. And whether you have given to Kaiapha ministry or you've given to uh, missionaries on a personal giving or whether you have taken opportunity on a Sunday like this just to write in uh, Nicaragua uh, missions and, and make a, a part of that. Because here's the thing. Even though the methods and priorities change, I believe with all of my heart that the challenge to our congregation still has to be pray, go, or send. That's a part of what we do. And because they are so far disconnected from us in miles, sometimes it's easy to kind of forget that, that they're out there. But God is doing great things. And really, our goal when we help and empower the missionaries, our goal is really to equip the church, the existing church that is there, the ministry that is there, to equip the church, to empower the poor, to help them to understand, help them to learn, to train, and then also simply to engage the lost, the evangelism. And Daryl and Sarah will have more stories for you when they come, but by email that they send to us, it's phenomenal in a country like Turkey and throughout the Middle East where they travel, it's amazing how God is bringing unbelievers to them and just opening their hearts to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's a part of what we do. And really, we want to do missions with people and not to people. Because in the past times, when I, again, when I was growing up, and honestly, this is not made up, we thought we were doing them a favor when we would take old sheets and tear them up and send them to the missionary so they could use those as bandages. As God is my witness, we, in some churches, would take used tea bags because they only used it for their cup of tea, and they would bundle up those used tea bags and send it to the missionaries thinking that they were doing them a favor. And they would have bake sales and collect things and box things up, and, and here's what happened. The missionaries, because their heart was, was so thankful, they never would tell the church 
that when that box comes to us, it cost us more to pay tax on that than if we had bought those things brand new. So I'm, I'm saying that to you that because if we have ideas that we're going to box things up and we're going to send them those kind of containers and things, sometimes it's better just to support them, let them get the items where they are, and it really is more cost effective. So in 2005, May of 2005, the church council came together because we had these two young people that really didn't have a clue what they were doing, but they just sensed that God was calling them to minister to college students. And they came in and shared their vision and their mission. And Joel and Nicole began Chi Alpha Ministry, actually at the summit, I believe. That's where, where it initiated. And the council said, we, we're behind it. We want to support you. And we came to the congregation, and the congregation said, yeah, yeah count me in, and, and X so much a month. They wanted to support Chi Alpha. And they were there for a long period of time, and then they just really sensed that God was moving them to Edinburgh, where they could be closer to the campus, they could be more hands-on, they could relate to the students. And so without their long history, that's where they went. And then Nicole, she, God is calling her to do some other things, and Joel's taking it on, and, and this guy does a fantastic job. But the thing that connects me with Joel is his heart to serve. Because he doesn't come in here and say, well, I'm a Chi Alpha director. Can I have an office? Can I use your phone? Uh, can I use your copy machine? And leave me alone. Joel has been here, and he has helped us with the use of his trailer, with the use of his truck. He's willing, in whatever capacity we need some help, he's been available to do that. And so um, I know I'm a little biased this morning, but uh, I love these guys. And I want Joel to come and uh, he said it's going to be brief, but I want him to just take time for him to share his heart and what's happening in Chi Alpha in Edinburgh. Thanks, Pastor Mike. Well, good morning. I am sporting brand new shoes from Kohl's on sale. I am very excited about those. That I still got to wear them in a little bit so they're comfortable. Hey, it's my pleasure to be here this morning. I want to give you an update on Chi Alpha in three different areas. But first, I really want to express my gratitude for this church. You know, I think of the history I have with this church um, growing up and then in our ministry years over the last 10 years, 11 years now. I look around and I see people that I truly do consider close friends and family. And um, that is what Nicole and I love about ministry. It's the relationships that we can carry. And we're so blessed by you guys, by this church. And all the updates that I give today, how God is moving, it is because of your generous uh, prayers and support uh, that you guys uh, give to us each and every month. I think of the people that I, I can... Uh, let know prayer requests, and they're praying for us as we're advancing the kingdom on the college campus, and it's quite amazing, and, and honestly, I think it's quite unique. Um, of all the other missionaries and Chi Alpha personnel that I talk with, none of them have an anchor church like this church, and you guys truly have been an anchor church to Chi Alpha, and I'm truly grateful for that. So first of all, I want to update you guys. It was the third week of September, and it was our water baptism night in Edinburgh, and there was a new student uh, to campus this semester. He was a Christian from this area. He came to campus, and on that water bapti baptism night, he invites one of his friends. 
So on the way to campus, this friend is telling him, hey, I, I don't really know why I'm going. Uh, he said, I, I'm agnostic. I don't know if there's a God. And ultimately, the bottom line is, I don't care if there's a God. So they arrive, and that night uh, we do a dinner before every Chi Alpha at 6 o'clock, so they connect with some other students. At 7 o'clock, our service starts. Uh, my lovely wife, Nicole, speaks that night, gives a tremendous message about God's love for each and every person in that place and how God pursues us. At the end of her message, she challenges the students who have never yet accepted Christ uh, to do that, and about 10 students respond, which was just amazing. One of those students was this kid. So then I get up in the baptism tank, and I'm uh, dunking people in, and we're kind of, you know, we ended up with 23 water baptized that night. And out of that was this kid himself. So that student, not knowing why in the world he came to Edinburgh, thinking he came to Edinburgh for, for an education, but ultimately God had a bigger plan for his life. And that night, the third week in September, not only accepts Christ, but then makes a public declaration of his newfound faith through water baptism. So it was an amazing night. Second thing I want to update you guys on is our internship. So Chi Alpha has 40 nationally accredited internship sites, Edinburgh being one of those. So we're really proud of our program that we have there. We've had seven interns come through, three of which are participating with us this year. I tell you what, we work them hard. We work them about 60 hours a week. Sometimes they say, hey, Joel, when's the Sabbath? So we got to kind of work through that a little bit, kind of figure that out, make sure we're keeping, keeping the Sabbath. But we work them hard. And that internship is designed to prepare them for full-time ministry. So we are training and resourcing uh, the next generation of pastors and missionaries right here in Edinburgh. And I got to give a shout out to the interns and also the students. Can you guys give a round of applause to our students that are here today? I work with the most amazing uh, students and interns. In addition to that, we have four staff uh, besides those three interns and then also about 35 student leaders. And I'm so blessed by that entire group. They are the ones making a difference on campus. And the third area I want to update you guys on is uh, our Nicaragua uh, history and, and, and kind of where we're at. So for the last five years, we've done a trip to Nicaragua. And this comes out of John and Wilma's investment uh, over the last 20 years there, which is just tremendous. You're going to hear more about that uh, when missionary Ken comes and speaks. But we've went there five years. Over 120 students have traveled with us on the short-term trip. Uh, in this last year we were there, I had 42 students this last year, which was just an insane number to travel with. Imagine 42 college students wearing the same color T-shirt running through the Cleveland airport. It was insane. People ask who's in charge, and I would just point to somebody else because I didn't want to handle it. At the end of the trip this year, we had a chance to walk and pray the property that Ken and Kendra purchased to build their new camp. And I feel like God was really speaking to my heart there to continue our partnership, to invest deeply with them, and build the next building that uh, they're putting on that property. They have several buildings built. They have several more to build before they can open the camp. That's at a cost of $34,000. And I got to tell you, I wrestled for a little bit because that's, that's a big number. Uh, I'm a math guy, and, uh, you know, 34 with three zeros is, is, is a lot to raise. So after two weeks of wrestling with that, I, feel, I finally surrendered that to God, said, yes, okay, let's do it. Nicole and I had a meeting just to catch up with some friends. We met at Chick-fil-A. 
I'm telling them a story, and the guy interrupts me and says, well, wait, 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 wait. What's half of 34? So I said, okay, 17. He says, okay, I'll do that. So after I picked my job off the floor, we had 17,000 raised before we even started any sort of financial campaign. So we have matching funds of $17,000 um, to uh, build that building. Uh, we're headed back in May with, uh, I'm sorry, in March with the Chi Alpha team. In addition to that, this church is looking at taking a building team down. So we're looking at funding and building a building in, uh, in addition to all the Chi Alpha ministry that we're going to do. And uh, Ken's going to fill you in on all those details. But um, this thing is so much bigger than me, and I... I think I'm learning in my 30s finally that if I can hear God lead and just say yes and surrender, he's taking us and he's taking me to the right places. So, and that's only possible through a church like this. So thank you guys again for supporting us, for praying for us, for being such an incredible anchor church um, through the last 10 years. So uh, here's a video that we're going to play. And then after that, missionary Ken's going to come and speak. Thank you. The words thank you will never be enough to express our thanks to each of you. You have literally walked through these dark, gang-infested streets and scavenged through the dumps of Manila, rescuing hundreds of children. From the very beginning of John and Mama Hall's ministry to these beautiful children, you have been hand-in-hand with them as God helped them to reach the least of these. El Camino Children's Center has become a lighthouse in the community, a place of hope, a place of refuge, a place where young, single mothers have a place to turn to help them educate their children. There are currently 34 children in preschool where they are learning to count, recognize letters, and most importantly, know the love of Jesus. 230 children continue to line up every Friday to receive a warm, delicious meal. These are children that suffer from hunger and malnutrition, children who face greater trials and tragedies on a daily basis than most of us will experience in a lifetime. You have helped hundreds of children every year get into the school through the Uniform Project. Children who now have an opportunity to receive an education and rise up out of the cycle of poverty they continue to live in. Today, we want to introduce you to Melissa. When Melissa was just seven years old, her and her family were homeless. At eight years old, Melissa received her first uniform from John and Hall to be able to go to school for the very first time. Every morning, Melissa gets up with her brother Dan before school and they scavenge through the trash looking for old oil filters. Once they've gathered enough, they take them home on their bicycle. They spend the rest of the morning cutting off the outside canister and removing the filters from inside. The following morning at 5 a.m., Melissa and her mother, Tanya, begin to burn the oil filters. Once everything has burned off and they're left with nothing but metal, they collect all the metal, they go to the recycling plant, 
with hopes of making enough money to sustain their family for one more day. All this work to make a profit of eight tenths of one American penny per filter. If they are fortunate enough to collect 116 filters, cut them open, burn them, and find a body, they will make one American dollar. The odds seem against them, but thanks to the sentence, Melissa is still studying today. She's currently in ninth grade. She's a strong leader of the youth group, and her greatest passion is worshiping God through things. You have made this possible, not only for Melissa, but for hundreds of children in the same situation. We have seen God effectively use you to help fulfill the Great Commission. May God bless each of you beyond measure. May He do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ever asked or imagined. And may He multiply your every sacrifice that you have made to help spread the gospel to these beautiful children in Akalavina. And like the words of this song, may your prayer be that they will see Jesus in all that we do. Thank you, Eric. Thank you that Jesus is enough for you guys, that the presence of God is enough. If Jesus was all you had, I believe that for Eric first, it's enough. It's not about the lights. It's not about the music. It's not even about me today. It's, it's about Jesus. And I thank God that he is enough for you guys. Thank you, Pastor Nicole, Joel, Pastor Don. No headdress, no wig even. No glasses, um, not this missionary, not today, uh, maybe later. <laughs> I was listening to that, I was like, ah. Uh, you don't want me to dress how Nicaraguans dress. <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, my name's Ken, my wife is Kendra. She, she was a voice in that video. You'll see her in another video in a couple minutes. But um, we're missionaries to Nicaragua. We arrived in 2008. We met some of you um, when you came down. In 2009, um, you guys had a big, huge impact on that country. Um, words cannot even describe or say thank you enough of your impact in that country. Some of you who are here today may not even know the impact you have had in Nicaragua. Uh, John and Wilma Hall was from this area. They went on a first trip in the 90s. Shortly after that, they retired and cashed it all in to go to Nicaragua to be missionaries after they retired. And because of this church, because of people like you that supported them through prayer and finances, you sent them. And um, I said this the other night, some people come into your lives and they quietly go. And then there's some people that come into your life and they stay for a while and you're forever changed because they made an impact. And that's John and Wilma Hall in, in Nicaragua. Some of you guys have been there. You have built the building, the center. You have loved on those kids. The Chi Alpha team has come five, six times, um, over 120, Pastor Joel said, that just loved on the kids and accepted them. And you saw some of the fruit. There is fruit 
Even today, as, as I'm, I'm sharing this, right now, this morning, 120 kids are gathering at the center right now and having kids' church. Each morning, Monday through Friday, 34 kids are attending preschool. That's their education at the Hall Center. In the afternoon, Monday through Friday, over 80 kids are showing up for tutoring. They have a youth group of 35 young teenagers. And the leadership of the youth group is made up of eight teenagers. Melissa is one of them. They organize all activities, all plans. They have a Bible quiz team. Um, they have a dance team. There's much fruit. It was all birthed out of this church. And words cannot even say thank you enough. And maybe you didn't realize that, but can you imagine retiring and just going overseas? And some of you guys know John and Wilma. And, um, and Wilma has passed, and wow, the legacy they have left. You guys helped John with that truck. When we arrived December 2008, my first two years, we traveled the whole country, my wife and I, along with our three kids. They were two, four, and eight at the time. Now they're 10, 13, and 14. My 14-year-old is going to be 15 next month, and he's six foot three. That's a lot of gallo pinto. That's a lot of rice and beans, actually. Speaking of gallo pinto, thank you for the warm weather. I flew out Wednesday from 90-degree weather to this. Uh, <laughs> but this is the first time since 2011 that we've been really stateside, um, and I saw the trees with colors, and that's very beautiful. I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but grew up in Ohio. I moved 15 times before I graduated high school. And so this area is kind of home for me. And, um, but what's really home is to be with people that love the Lord, that, that knows it's not about them, that it's about reaching the lost. Because God's desire is that none shall perish. And um, this morning, just a little update about Nicaragua. Because you have made an impact. You have, you have dreamed big dreams in the past for missions and for Nicaragua. And traveling, when I first arrived in Nicaragua, traveling with John, helping with that truck, you know, some of you guys help them put that together, you know, and I remember driving it and I'm going like this, driving it, it's still going straight. You know, that thing was interesting to drive, uh, but they would go to these communities and they'd lay down the side and they would do a, a kid's presentation. I mean, I remember being there helping John with sound and, and my, my wife's up there with our kids doing the kids program with Wilma and looking out and these kids have nothing. And we're talking about a country that still is second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, which means on this side of the globe, it's the second poorest country. Haiti's the poorest, and everyone knows about Haiti. But then it's Nicaragua, where three-fourths of the population lives on less than $2 a day. And less than half, around half the population lives on less than $1 a day. It's where you saw in the video, Melissa, just to make ends meet, they will just go through the garbage some of you guys have been there just looking for recyclables, collecting it, a plastic bottle there, cleaning it up with chemicals that just were eat their hands, metal cans, cleaning it up, oil filters, anything they can recycle just to cash it in so you can eat. We went there not really knowing what we we're going to do, my wife and I, just to serve the national church. And God has opened up many, many huge doors. We traveled the whole country not knowing that God was, had a plan. We wanted to dream big dreams for God. We wanted to talk with the kids and say, kids, Jeremiah 29, 11 wasn't just written for U.S. citizens. It wasn't just written for Erie first, that God has a plan for you, a hope and a future, which is true. And, and Pastor Nicole up here telling you to dream big dreams. But it's for Nicaraguans. 
And they look at you like, you don't know what I'm going through. You, weren't, you were not born in this dump. And they're right. I really don't know. But I know the word of God, which is true. And we have to have hope in Christ and trust that God is working things out in these last days. But through all the connections and walking along with John and Wilma and helping the, the center and just learning their heart and soaking in all their wisdom, and God has gave us a connection with an organization called Feed the Hungry. And they, they sent us containers of food at, for zero cost. We don't pay a dime to receive their containers of food. And currently, this week, we will feed over 28,000 kids each week with that food. We're raising up pastors and pastoras to disciple them, you know? It's amazing. It's amazing what God is doing in this country. It's, it's a poor country. We can go into a, and a lot of the Chi Alpha students have gone into the dumps with us. Right outside the, outside the hall center, which is on the verge of the Managua dump, and at one time it was the largest open-air dump in Central America, where over 3,000 people lived inside the dump, and over 2,000 were kids. And arriving in 2008, 2009, we would go in and just be with the people, love on them. You know, because we believe that God, yes, sent his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross, to save us, to ransom us from death, but also to touch us. You know, just think of the story in the Bible where the blind guy cried out, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus could have very easily, on his way to Jerusalem, this is outside Jericho, could have very easily said, you know what? I am the son of God. Just believe in me. I'm on my way to die for you. Everything's going to be all right. But no, he, he, also, he said to the guy, what do you want me to do? What can I do for you? And the blind guy goes, I want to see. And Jesus touched him. Opened up his eyes. And the guy followed Jesus. And you read throughout scripture, that's what Jesus did. He loved people so much that he touched. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. And so as my wife and I were going through the whole country of Nicaragua, we see this devastation. We see this poverty. Back in the early 70s, Nicaragua was the most modern country in Central America. They had a massive earthquake, took out all the infrastructure. Only three buildings stood, which led into a revolution, a civil war, because the money that came in to rebuild the country never went out to the people. And the people, that, that was it. They had a revolution. So they had like four or five years of war, which led to this young guy in his early 30s, Daniel Ortega, who slowly became a dictator of that country. He was buddy-buddies with Russia from Gorbachev there and, and Cuba from Castro. And they were sending in people to reshape the education, to train the military. And this is when President Reagan became president. And the last thing President Reagan... For those that know history, uh, I see. we have a program in Nicaragua where college students can come and do online classes and just do missions. Because you can do anything for 10 days on a missions trip. You can, put up, you can have cold water for a week. You can maybe put up with some bugs, right? The heat. They're coming in March. Hopefully you guys can join them, construction team. Come in March. I mean, at 9 o'clock in the morning, it will be a, a nice low 91 degrees. It will probably reach 100 during the day. It's nice and cool there in March. I'm being a little sarcastic. But this part of the country is sarcastic, right? I think. Certain churches I go to, they look at me like, where are you from? I'm like, I was born in Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? I got off. What was I saying? But 
Oh, the last thing that President Reagan wanted was a communist socialist country in the backyard of the United States. So if you know anything about history, that's where I was going. Like our college students, when I talk about history, they're like, what, what, 9-11, um, I mean, know about that. Um, but back in the early 80s, um, the U.S. government sold arms to Iran and sold drugs to secretly fund an uprising in Nicaragua. It's, it's known better as the Oliver North Iran-Contra affair. It had to do with Nicaragua, which the CIA secretly wrote, helped an uprising to overthrow the country. Not to bore you this morning, but you need to understand all this. Because once again, in the early 80s, there was war again. There were 10 years of war after an earthquake. And, that, and because of that, that's how the country became very poor. All the good leaders, all the, all the people that, need, that that country needs to kind of make it operate and run kind of fled. Um, they were refugees to the United States. And now we're talking about the mid-80s. And this, this country was slowly rebuilding. The Hurricane Mitch came through in 1998. Shortly around the same time, John and Wilma Hall came in. And they, they had a heart to reach these kids right by the dump. And since then, they moved all the people out of the dump. And they just put them outside on outskirts. And so when we take teens, we take them into these areas. And sometimes we take them to other dumps, like in the Rivas dump. We just help them pick up recyclables. Because they work in the dumps for three days straight, these Nicaraguans, just to raise money, like $3, $2.70. So can you imagine helping them for 45 minutes, extra arms, picking up recyclables? This one time we were in the Rivas dump, and this little boy named Antonio, he, he never smiled. Actually, the only time he ever smiled was when he was with my wife. My wife is just amazing, awesome, full of life, full of joy. She was made to be a missionary. God just set her apart, and, and she would go and play with Antonio. But one day we got there, and she couldn't find Antonio, but we found him under cardboard. And he was there for three days with a big, giant gash on his head. Um, he, was, he fell off a garbage truck. And people just left him there. How did he fall off a garbage truck? Because when the garbage truck comes in, you know, people will run with these big sticks and just stab it to claim their, their garbage bag. And then they just dig in, looking for plastic, look for cans, oil filters, anything they can recycle. That's their life. That's their life. It's not about saving for retirement. It's not about an extra cabin up north or a second car. They're just looking for survivor. And all this, to this day, my wife cleaned him up, took him to his shack, you know, and walked, and she was really upset. She was like, how can they just leave him out here for three days? And he walked in, and there is his, his 11-year-old sister. They had, there was three siblings, I mean, seven siblings, and the 11-year-old sister is the oldest, and she was standing there with a six-month-old baby, eight-month-old baby on her hip. At the leg was an 18-month-old young child holding her leg, and over in the corner was like a three-year-old another sibling crying. And my wife started like, How, where's your mom? Why didn't you go look for your brother? He was out there in garbage. And we know that's dangerous because we've taken in a kid whose dad got ran over by a garbage truck and died. We've taken him for a week to clean him up and stuff like that. And so my wife was just really upset. Like, how can you do this? But that's a moment that it just hit my wife and I like, oh. the 11-year-old girl was just speechless. Like, I can't do it. Like, she had to look like, I'm doing all I can. I am the mother. Mom has been gone for four days. We didn't know where mom was. But this is the lifestyle for so many. Probably for like around 80% of the country, this is, this is life for them. But there's good news. There's good news because you have been investing into Nicaragua, into the Hall Center, and there's fruit after fruit, like Melissa 
And if you remember the video towards the end, that guy that's dancing, if some of you guys may know him, that's Ephraim. He's 18. I mean, he grew up at the Hall Center. He lives right there. And he works alongside our family and our student ministry down there in our program. They do, he does ministry with us. And all he wants to do is do ministry. See, God is doing something in these last days in Nicaragua. And it's just like my God and your God, Jesus Christ, that he would choose the foolish things of the world. It's the ripple effect. When you pray for missions, when you give to missions, when you go on a missions trip, it's just not really about you. It's not about your tan lines you come back with. It's not about the souvenirs that collect dust or the good coffee you drink. It's about lives that forever being changed, and they are being forever changed. Here, take out, let's watch the Max video, if you can just play that as a great testimony. Hi, I'm missionary Kendra Dow here in Nicaragua, and today I just want to introduce you to my friend Maximo, and he has an awesome testimony that he's going to share with us today. Maximo, puedes contar con nosotros el testimonio que tiene? Andrea, la pierna... About 10 days ago, I was fatal and I couldn't walk with my right leg was hurting me so bad. And I, all I could do was I felt like crying and I asked two of the, the young ladies that were with our team if, if they could pray for me. Entonces, ella, so they looked for another lady and another man to pray with me also. Y entonces oraron por mí. They began to pray for me. Yo me sentí tan alegre que confié en el Señor que con, con la oración de ellos. I felt so happy that in my heart I really trusted the prayer that they were giving to the Lord. Yo podía recibir ayuda de la pierna para pararme. And, and I believe that God was going to help me and give me strength in my legs so that I could stand up and begin to walk. We, we prayed for about eight minutes. I felt like in my leg it began to burn a little bit. And, and then I began to get strength in my leg and I began to um, stand up a little bit but I wouldn't be able to walk and we prayed for two more minutes then she began to close the prayer asking God to please, to please help him and so that he would strengthen the leg and give it mobility so that he could be able to walk immediately. Entonces, yo di unos pasos, so, I, so I took a couple of steps. Ma, más la pierna, I, could, I could feel a little bit more strength in my leg that maybe I was going to be able to walk. I want to give <laughs> thanks to God first and for the three people who took the time to pray for me. And so then, after they left, I began to walk, and I looked for my um, cart, my horse and, and cart. Uh, yo voy a pie, y traigo 
embalses desde adelante arriba. And I began to walk. I didn't ride the horse, and I walked my way all the way to Rivas, which is about five kilometers from here. He had his bag of rice that was donated over his shoulder and the bag of uh, recyclables that he had looked for for that day, and he walked all the way to Rivas. Y entonces el día que vinieron antier, anteayer, ¿cuándo? Um, sábado, creo. Sábado. Uh -huh. Le conté a Sabana y otros dos muchachos altos. Uh -huh. And so a few days ago when we came to visit and minister here in the dump, um, he looked for the girls that prayed for him, and he began to tell them. Que ya caminaba bastante bien. That I, that my leg was only a little bit weak now, but now I could walk well. Amen. And then he said, and he wanted to give thanks to God because now because of God's strength that he had put into his leg, that now he could walk everywhere. Ahora, gracias a la ayuda de ustedes también que nos dan con alimento. And, and I want to tell you that I'm really grateful too for the rice that you've given and provided for us these weeks. Siento que siguen orando más por mí aquí o allá. Because I can feel the prayers that you're praying for me, whether it be here or there. Voy a seguir sanando para caminar de aquí a Estados Unidos. <laughs> I'm going to continue to pray and believe God to heal my leg completely so I can walk all the way to the United States. There's a quote that says, the opportunity of a lifetime <laughs> within the lifetime of the opportunity. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within a lifetime of an opportunity. Again, God is moving. God is moving. We can feed people in Nicaragua and they can have full bellies and we can just walk them straight to hell. We can close the naked and they can be closed walking straight to hell. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus getting a hold of their hearts and then start to dream in big dreams for him. And that's, what he, that's what's happening in Nicaragua. Thanks to your church when, they pray, when you pray, when you give. And, and this morning I was praying for this church and I, I just, God brought to my heart real quick, four little quick points about the story in Genesis um, chapter 37 about Joseph, you know, the coat of many colors. Speaking of coats, I'll, I'll take any coat when I leave here. It's, it's cold outside. But... You guys know the story. Hopefully you guys know the story. At age 17, he had a dream that the, 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 the bundles of grain and stalks would bow down to his. And he shared it with his family, and the family was like, you're crazy. What is this talk? But he, he, he kept on dreaming. He had dreams. Harry, don't give up dreaming. We tell students in Nicaragua, no matter what their situation, what do you want to be when you grow up? Dream big dreams for God. And it's happening. It's happening at the Hall Center. They're dreaming big dreams. They want to be doctors. They want, they want to be teachers. Like Ephraim, he wants to be a pastor. And God willing, God, he raised up missionaries. And, and Max there, who got healed, he, he told us shortly after that interview, he's like, hey, because we had 37 people get saved in that dump this past summer. And he's like, where are we? Where, where can we go to worship God? There's no church by the dump. This is where they live. We're like... Point. <laughs> We're called to make disciples. It's like, well, well, let's build a church. Let's build a church. And we, we got, it's like $20,000. My wife and I looked at each other like, how are we going to do this? It's not, it's not about us. <laughs> so you just put it on Facebook, right? Within three weeks, over $20,000 came in. And it's building, being built right now for God's glory. When, when, when God is doing something, he's taking care of it. And, and we have 23 people 
um, that's going through the discipleship class. Being, they're going to be water baptized within the next month. These are ki- people that live in the dump. They're dreaming big dreams. But just like the story of Joseph I want to share with you, don't give up on your dream when, it doesn't, when no one believes in it. Joseph's family didn't believe in his dream. He could have been very discouraged, but he didn't give up. Don't give up on your dreams if it doesn't start off very well. If you know the story, it starts in Genesis chapter 37. He went to look for his brothers one day, and his brothers saw him coming, and they planned to kill him. Now they end up putting him in a pit, and they end up selling him, you know, and putting blood on the coat of many colors and showing his dad. I don't know about you, when's the last time you shared with your family and your brothers what God is doing in your life, and they want to kill you? The presence of God was so awesome this morning here, the whole service during worship. And hopefully that was enough for you. Hopefully Jesus is enough, and I think that is. But there's parts of the world right now that if people are coming to know Christ, and what does that mean for them? That means they have to say goodbye to their family or because their family wants to kill them. When the Muslims come to know Christ, say this is the day and age that we live in. It's not about when church is over, let's go to Chick-fil-A or get a Starbucks. It's about living your life that's for a cause that's way bigger than yourself. It's about living your life dreaming big dreams for God. But don't give up on it if, if no one believes in your dream. Be like Joseph and persevere. Don't give up on your dreams if it doesn't start off very well, like Joseph. His family members wanted to kill him. Don't give up on your dreams if, if, if it has full of surprises. You know, when Joseph got sold and, and he was in Potiphar's house and he got framed, he ran outside, the, the wife of took his robe and he got sent to prison. And like, what's up with this, God? I had these dreams. You know, it might be some, some surprises in your life along the way. For me, there has been. I mean, Spanish has come very difficult. I have, I have so many bloopers in Spanish, and I have traveled by plane, landed in a dirt road, and I got sick, and I threw up, and I had to shake hands with the presbyter, and I'm like, that, that didn't start very well. That was a little surprise. I'm like, how's, just, just fall in love with God and dream big dreams, because these kids are dreaming big dreams. And lastly, don't give up on your dreams here at Erie. If it takes a long time, Joseph had this dream at age 17. He didn't enter Pharaoh's court until he was 30. And, and the dream didn't come to pass until eight years after that. So we're talking like 22, 22 years. Sometimes we give up so easily. Stay the course. And that's why we tell the Nicaraguan kids, stay the course. And we, lo- and we provide food for over 28,000 kids. And we're trying to disciple them. But there's nothing like taking them out from what they're used to and just allowing them to be kids. Allowing them to have food three times a day and be loved on and accepted by teams. And so we're building a camp. We stepped out in faith. This guy wanted $1.5 million for land. That's what it's worth. We got it for under $300,000. God did it. This is a year and a half ago. We haven't been stateside since. And for over close to $400,000 has come in while my wife and I have been living in Nicaragua. It's a huge project. We're looking at 26 acres of land with around 10 cabins, a swimming pool, baseball diamond, soccer field, um, basketball court, a high ropes course, because there's some of the God national church in that country does not even have a camp. So this is going to be used for the national church for retreats, whatever he wants, whatever God wants to do, a school to teach them English, a tech school to teach these kids how to weld or auto mechanics. We're just dreaming big dreams for God and trying to stay the course. So I want to show one last video, and then I'll wrap it up and pan it over. This is the camp one. 
Hi, I'm missionary Kendra Dow in Nicaragua, and today we have the awesome opportunity to tell you what God has been doing here. God has given us and opened up the door for 26 acres of land where we are going to build a camp, a place of refuge, and a place of hope for children. We need your help. We want to partner together to see 10 cabins, just like this one behind us, be built. Not just cabins, we need a well, and we also need a camp that's fun. We need a pool, a baseball diamond, a volleyball court, uh, a soccer field. These are things that we want to be able to have kids come in from all over Nicaragua to be able to experience Christ's love for the first time in a real way. We feed 28,000 kids every day in Nicaragua, kids that have greater trials and tragedies every day of their life than any of us could imagine. We want to bless them. We want to share Christ's love with them, and we want a place to bring them to, a place of refuge and a place of hope. Will you help us make that happen? We need construction teams, and we're looking for people to help us to donate towards the construction of these cabins that we're in the process of building. And we want you to be a part of what God is doing here. We give him all the glory and all the honor for everything that he's done in this place. And we're excited to be able to share with you the testimonies of the great things that God's going to do in the lives of these young children, transforming them and preparing them to follow him for the rest of their days. Thanks, and God bless. Last but not least, can you imagine, real quick as I wrap up here, can you dream with me and get this vision in your head of your church coming down and building a cabin? And we can name it El Camino in honor of the halls. And kids being bussed in every four days, a new, new bus load of kids year-round having camp. Getting out from what they're used to. Allow them to be kids. No responsibility. Let them have fun. And that's what the Chi Alpha team does. They, they just play with them. They love the kids and accept them for who they are. And their lives are being touched. Can you imagine the lives of these kids being touched at this camp? And them feeling, you know what? Ken, Kendra, I want to be just like that team from Erie. Those people that came down from Pennsylvania and they sweat the whole time and they, got, they turn all red and their skin started to peel off. You know, you remember that team? I'm like, yeah, I remember that team without sunscreen. Yeah. I want to be just like them. I want to go to different countries and tell people about Jesus. It's happening. It's happening. And the cool thing is, see, as U.S. citizens, you can come to Nicaragua. You pay $10 when you arrive. They stamp your passport. You're good for 90 days. But the truth is, there's countries in this world that you and I can't go to because we're U.S. citizens. It doesn't matter how much money you have. They will not let you in. Those same countries that say no to U.S. citizens say yes to Nicaraguans because of how the government is in Nicaragua. They're best buddies with Russia, China, Iran. The Muslims are moving in in Nicaragua. They're buying up land. They're building Muslim cemeteries. They're building camps of their own. You guys all heard about ISIS. There's a step down. This is reality. They're paying these kids to, to um, convert to Muslim. They're giving them jobs. These are the last days. But God has put our heart a dream to build a camp. Not just buildings. A place where lives are going to be changed. Just like the Hall Center. And we are so fortunate to be under the Hall's leadership for a couple first few years to do ministry alongside them. We provide the center with food. That's where they get their food. And the torch has been tapped, passed kind of like to my wife and I there. And it's so awesome. And it's an honor to be your missionaries in Nicaragua. So thank you for praying for us. And if you don't get anything out of this message, just pray for a missionary today. Be intentional. Pray for a missionary today. Prayer works. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is what changes lives. 
But if you're thinking about going on a missions trip, there's no better missions trip that you can go on than come to Nicaragua. We'll take good care of you, and you can be a part of what God is doing in these last days. So thank you so much for allowing me to be here without a headdress. Uh, God bless you. Is John here this morning? I didn't see him.